All right, so here we are, another Wednesday, and um, we're going uh, we're going to get into the the book of Judges. I was, um, you know, some some areas of Scripture are sometimes tougher to go through than others, and what I what I mean by that, uh, and it's for various reasons that I say that. Um, and in different ways, it's harder. It, sometimes it's hard to go through certain scripture that you yourself, um, you know, uh, are being worked on through by God in. You know what I mean? Okay, so, so there's, a, there's a difficulty in going through some scripture that you know the Lord is working on you through. <laughs> All right? And so, you know, especially if you're familiar with scripture and you're going through and you're in, in your daily reading, you know you're approaching a certain chapter, a certain section of scripture that points to and deals with the very thing, perhaps, that you're dealing with. There's other times when it's difficult uh, because of what the content is. Uh, for instance, um, we've been going through the book of Judges. And I don't know about you, but... I know that it's for our own benefit. I mean, in the New Testament, according to Hebrews, uh, these things are before us as far as the Old Testament is concerned and that which has to do with our forefathers for our benefit, right? Our fathers in the faith, uh, the ups and the downs. But it's still difficult to see how it is that sometimes we can't reconcile what's before us. And yet when we really think about the character of God, it all fits together nicely. I believe that's one of the chapters we have before us. Sometimes, if we just think about the character of Samson, how it is that perhaps, um, you know, we, we think about Samson and the strength that he was given by the Lord and how it was that he killed many Philistines, the very enemies of God. We think how, how valiant, how courageous, and how wonderful a man Samson was and Although he was used by God, he had many faults. Uh, he was a, a man that you could say was, was filled with the Spirit and with the power of God, and yet oftentimes he was led by the flesh and not by the Spirit. But Samson is not who we're looking at. That's something that we always need to have before us. If your eyes are on your neighbor, if your eyes are sometimes even on your spouse, you will soon realize that they're not quite reflecting the glory of God very well. The point is not to keep our eyes on one another, but on our true and faithful and eternal God. That's who we ought to always have our eyes fixed on. And so we come to this chapter to where we continue to study the life of Samson through these few chapters that we have before us. This evening we'll be covering chapter 15. And we will see how it is that, yes, Samson defeats many Philistines, but we'll see how he does it and the things that he battled with throughout his life. I was thinking even about the very first song that we started out with. You know, we, we sing that song, and if we think about it in a very mystical way, we can get into trouble. You know, empty me, fill me, you know, it's like, you know, breathe out the bad, breathe in the good, good. you know, it's like, eh. <laughs> time out, 
time out. I'm going to give you something. Then after service, especially in light of what we're going to go, be going over this evening, um, I, I'm going to I'm going to actually ask if you would be open to desire um, to doing something uh, at the very end. And this is, of course, it's all optional. It's all up to you. But I'm going to explain to you how it is that uh, you are actually emptied of yourself. Uh, it's, it's through a, a humbling repentance. It's by a confession of our sins. And it's by asking the Lord, as, as his children, just fill me with your spirit afresh. Give me your spirit. We are in desperate need of your spirit. Not for anything kind of just weird or anything like that. Just because we need to be filled with his spirit. That we might walk according to the spirit and bless him according to God's word. You see, the formula is very easy. We're going to go over it at the very end of the service. Number one, and we ought to all know this, is in 1 John 1, nine. It is written, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? And then we're also um, to walk in the Spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is the very thing that we need more than anything else. So that we would walk uprightly before the Lord, blessing Him, honoring Him, glorifying Him, just as Ray had ended in that prayer, that we might honor Him. Even sitting here, even sitting here, we can, we can, uh, our thoughts can be far from the Lord. We can be thinking of so many other things. We can even be rejecting him and ignoring him, even even while we sit here in church. Can you believe that? But we can. We can do that. So may we not be those people within the pews of his church, his place here, this congregation, this fellowship of believers that have come to sit at the very feet of Jesus, to glean from him, to bring in from him that which he desires to pour into us. The truth of God's word, may his spirit teach us all things that pertain to him. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We want to commit this time into your hands and for your anointing to be on this gathering. Lord, may your spirit move mightily and freely in this place. As we are here to hear from you, open up our eyes to see the things which you would have for us to see. Our hearts to understand And so, may this be certainly a time of bringing you honor and glory as you have our undivided attention. May our ears be open. May our hearts be open. And may we simply be focused and fixed on that which you have for us personally. Thank you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Judges chapter 15 Verse 1, it says, After some days at the time of wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. And he said, I will go in to my wife in the chamber. But her father would not allow him to go in. Verse 2, And her father said, I really thought that you utterly hated her, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. Uh, so just a, a 
kind of an intro going into this chapter. This is the very beginning as we uh, deal with some other events in the life of uh, Samson. This is just after, just a few days after, uh, remember the week-long partying? I mean, the, the, the marriage lasted seven days, one week. That, w- that was it. And then it was over. Samson went home to his father's house, and we know that Samson's wife was given to his companion. Um, and this companion is also identified as his best man. So the two went their separate ways. But a few days after that, uh, this is, by the way, at the time of the wheat harvest, is about May or June. So about that time is when this takes place. Samson comes looking for his wife. This was also after he killed about 30 Philistines and again left his wife to go back to his father's house. So, you know, it was at that time that, that things just happened. They went... They went down, they spiraled down quickly. Things just, it was a disaster, a complete disaster. But Samson brought with him a young goat, a, a gift, you could say, and sought after his wife to have intimate relations with her, but her father would not allow this to take place, and she is now someone else's. He has given her to Samson's companion, his best man. I believe, after all that had taken place, it would be easy to see how her father could have thought that especially after she betrayed Samson to the Philistines, after she had manipulated him into revealing his riddle to her, how it is that her father would think that perhaps perhaps Samson hates her at this point. After all, he, he took off, he went home. Samson trusted her, and she betrayed him to the Philistines. He expressed his anger toward her by leaving her and going to his father's house. But you would have to admit uh, that this was, this was very quick. Right? I mean, she just got married to Samson, and now a few days later she's been given to another man. It's a, it's a quick rebound. And remember... And always remember this. It, this would not have been an issue if Sans, Samson would not have taken this Philistine as his wife. You know, uh, there's, there's problems before him. And we know that the Lord is using this to begin to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of the Philistines. But uh, at the same time, Samson could have avoided much trouble had he just obeyed the Lord. You know, we went back um, to verse 4. And we dealt with that verse specifically last week. And I asked you the question, does God prefer to do things through obedience or disobedience? And of course, the obvious uh, answer is obedience, right? He doesn't desire to do things through disobedience, but through obedience. Especially the one person whom he had selected, set apart for his own purposes and plans. And so we always have to remember that. But God is sovereign, and God will have his way. God is God, and we are not. And that's what we always have to remember, too, that regardless of our rebellion, uh, of of our turning away from the Lord, God will have his way. Uh, Whatever it is that he has planned, if it's not through you, he'll use someone else. 
So uh, just always remember that as we continue to go through and you also study other scripture and see other situations and stories of, of God's people who don't always have obedience on their heart. So verse 3, as we continue, uh, says, uh, And Samson said to them, as, as uh, her father had offered him perhaps the younger one, And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches, and he turned uh, them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and to the standing grain, as well as the olive orchards. So this was, you know, the would have been the normal response to something like that, no? <laughs> no, all right? But this is how Samson responded. This, this, this was it right here. Again, Samson is enraged. We see him enraged one more time. In verse 3, Samson warned of something coming. Some harm was coming to the Philistines, and he was good on his word. Samson was like an unbridled horse, a torrent of water without restraint. There was no guard over his heart, nor over his thoughts, and he did whatever he wanted, however he wanted, whenever he wanted. We've we've already seen this illustrated in his life, right? As he goes into the vineyard and he, uh, he overpowers and he destroys, completely kills uh, a predator. And that same predator, he, uh, the carcass, he pulls honey out of it. And how it is that he defiled not only himself, but then offered some to his parents without them knowing. I mean, he was just doing whatever he wanted to do. This woman, oh, she's right in my own eyes. Go get her for me, Dad. That's it. That's what I want. It was all a display of how it was that Samson was being led by the flesh. Even though he was used by God to come against the Philistines, notice that he didn't, he has not regarded God when making these decisions. There will be a time when he does, but now is not the time. But God was still using him. This is where, you know, you think about it, it's like, gosh, you know, it's this man was totally just acting in the flesh, but he was still the Lord's. And the Lord was still using him, even though it would cost Samson so much. He was still using him. He was using him to de- begin, not to deliver, because he wouldn't fully deliver the Israelites from, Phil- uh, from uh, the, the Philistine oppression. But he would still use them to begin to deliver them out of the hands of the Philistines. So he threatened, and what did he do? Well, he caught 300 foxes, tied their tails together, put a torch between them, and let them run into the Philistines' standing grain and the bundled grain, all, all of the grain that was there. Well, it also went into the olive orchards. That's what, where they went. 300 foxes. Can you, can you imagine that? Setting fire. What thoughts, right? I mean, he thought of this. 
And some people, some commentators say, well, it's impossible. It was impossible for Samson to, to catch 300 foxes. Um, well, I mean, we don't have the details. Why is it impossible? I mean, if you, if you catch a few at a time, uh, you, can, you can catch 300 foxes, right? If, if, if God made it possible for Samson to catch them, and it says it in Scripture that he had 300 foxes that he tied together and let them run in the fields, well, that's the truth. I won't argue with that. But this is what he did. Tied their tails together and set them on fire to run around, setting fire to the grain and olive orchards, the olive orchards of the Philistines. But again, what we see is a display of a childlike immaturity. And the carnal response to the anger he felt when he learned his wife was given away to another man, even though he had already left her. You know, of course, the flesh came back again, and he came back with a young goat. But he said, ah, now I want to go into the chamber with her. That's code, by the way. Right? The flesh was coming out. You guys understand what I'm saying, right? Okay. Intimate relations. It was still all the flesh. The Apostle Paul addressed the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1, he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Tells him he was, still was feeding him milk because they were, they were carnal. You know, you, the, the milk are just the, the basics of the faith. And, and when we get the basics of the faith down, then we should move from the basics to the deeper things, continuing to study the Word of God. Um, as Christians, we should never um, conclude our study of Scripture, it should be an ongoing work that we do. Studying to know the deep things of God, those things that the Lord desires for us to learn. There's never a time. If the Apostle Paul can say, say, I have not arrived, then who are we to say that we have arrived? You know what I mean? (laughs) There's no way. We have to keep seeking God's word. We need to keep growing, maturing. Because even in our old age, we can get to the point to where we can get complacent. And, and, and if we're not growing, you've heard the, the, uh, the, the phrase uh, it says, if you're not growing, you're, you're dying. You know, if you're, not, if you're not growing in the Lord, if you're complacent, at, at pretty soon what you'll find yourself doing is compromising because you're trusting the, in the flesh and you're not trusting in the Lord. So we need to be careful of that. The enemy wants us to stop and to go the other way. But that would only lead to walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. The, you know, the Apostle Paul addressed the Corinthians as infants in the flesh. People who were not of the spirit, walking in the spirit. We in Christ, as followers of Christ, should instead be mature in our thinking and act accordingly. It's like, you know, we know that we should apply. As we learn, we apply. It's a constant work. In fact, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I don't know about you, but that's something that I battle with daily. You know, just grabbing that thought and just submitting it to the Lord. Just, is this 
what I ought to be meditating on? Philippians 4, 8 talks about those things that are worthy of meditating on. So, we see here how, how it is that Samson was responding in anger. He responded in anger. And uh, he took these 300 foxes, tied them together, put a torch between them, sent them into the fields, and burned a lot of that which the Philistines had as far as grain is concerned in the olive orchards. Verse 6, let's see how they responded. Verse 6 says, Then the Philistines says, said, Who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, If this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. And after that I will quit. And he struck them hip and thigh with a great blow. And he went down and stayed in the cleft of the rock of Edom. So when the Philistines inquired as to who was responsible for having done this, they learned that it had been Samson. And the reason why is because his wife had been given to his companion. So because Samson had burned their grain... Then the Philistines came and killed his wife and father-in-law by burning them. Of course, it was just, it was total retaliation. That's how, that's how now we're going. We're going back and forth. It's just retaliation. Tit for tat. You do this to me, I'm going to do that to you. And it was just going back and forth. But now Samson said that he would retaliate because, retaliate because they had killed his wife and father-in-law. And the way he struck them, the way it's described here, I know these words, they, they, we don't use them today. You know, to, to strike them hip and thigh with a great blow. Well, what exactly does that mean, right? Hip and thigh with a great blow. It, it means there was no mercy. It was an absolute slaughter. That's what that means. I know we don't see it by those words, but we know when we come to understand what they mean. He had no mercy. He held nothing back. No matter what was before him. He, this, this, is, this is evidence of a man that was just in the flesh and full of rage. This, this was it right here. Wow. The wrath was coming down. And after that, Samson took off. He fled. He lived as a fugitive in the cleft of the rock of Edom. Samson knew they would now be beside themselves. They would be livid and come after him. So at this point, even after he killed all of those Philistines, he went and he hid himself. Verse 9. Then the Philistines came up and encamped in Judah and made a raid on Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? And they said, We have come up to bind, Sam, bind Samson, to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so have I done to them. 
So sure enough, just as I'm, we're seeing, it's implied that Samson thought for sure they're, they're going to come after me. They did. But indirectly. Samson killed the Philistines, and now the Philistines were going to kill the Israelites. And they went to the men of Judah. They were going to take them out. It's implied here that the Israelites had requested some time to get for them the man that really they were upset with. It's implied because we don't see how it is. We don't see the Philistines coming against them and following through with a retaliatory act. We we don't see that. Instead, we see 3,000 men of Judah go down to the cleft of the rock to confront Samson and bring him back to the Philistines. But we need also, these are some things we ought to consider, think about, and look into as we have these verses before us. We need to remember that it was the Philistines that were oppressing the Israelites. And now the Israelites themselves were going against the man who was taking them out. I mean, think about this for a moment. You have this man who has been set aside by the Lord to begin to deliver the Israelites from the oppression of the Philistines. Here he is taking them out single-handedly. Right? At, at this point, I mean, things were, it, it was amazing the way it was going. Wouldn't you agree? This man, Samson, there's something about him. There's absolutely nothing and no one that can stand before him. Every time he overpowers numerous Philistines and he takes them out. And the Israelites gather together, 3,000 of them. They go to the cleft of Edom where Samson was to go bring him back. His own people. They didn't recognize that God had given them Samson to begin to deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. Instead, they confronted Samson, asking him why he did not, rec- why he, why he did not recognize that the Philistines were the rulers over, over them. Do you not understand this? Samson, so I have 3,000 men behind me here. Samson should have said, yeah, but I have the living God behind me. No, but we have 3,000. And then, listen, we're, we're, all, we're all under Philistine rule. Did you forget that, Samson? So, so we are to surrender to the Philistines. What's wrong with you, Samson? You're putting, what, in fact, what have you done to us? You're putting us in danger. It's backwards thinking, isn't it? When, when, you, when you work these things out, you realize what's before you. It's like, that's backwards thinking. What? It's all upside down. I think a lot of the things that we're doing in, in the U.S. today, we're actually undermining ourselves. It's like if you were to grab all Americans and say, hey, listen, we should all agree on some basic things. And yet, because of your own silly political agendas, you're actually undermining the very country that you profess to love. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And let me tell you that even my son of 15 years, 15 years old, he can identify these conversations 
And sometimes we sit here and go back and forth. It's like, Dad, that doesn't even make sense. Like, amen, son, I'm glad you have discernment. It doesn't make sense, does it? I won't go into specifics, but I I think if you work things out, just as we do Scripture, you will begin to see before you that which just doesn't make sense. It's just backwards thinking. Why in the world would you do that? Why is it that Samson would undermine the very plan and purposes of God? He wouldn't. Why? Because he was being used by God. And even when he was acting in the flesh, God is sovereign and he was using him. And here are the Israelites coming to him and saying, Hey, we're under Philistine rule. Yeah, but God is bigger. And he sent me to judge you. And we will learn that he judged them for 20 years. Think about that. Think about what goes on even in the, in the church itself. Right? There's a plan and a purpose for us. Glorify God. We need to all work together. And the Lord desires to be glorified to do certain things within the church. Let's all stay faithful to him. But instead they confronted Samson. Asking him why he didn't recognize this. Samson's reasoning, well, listen, even though he was being used by God, this was still his reasoning. I'm only doing to them what they did to me. Oh, it's like, you know what I mean? Uh, Just Samson, you know, he's still in that place to where he's, he's being carnal. He's being fleshy. And that's what he told his, his, his brothers, you know, his, his fellow Israelites, do you guys, do you guys um, uh, acknowledge that? Do you agree with me? You know, I, I'm only doing to them what they did to me. It's only fair. I know we're, <laughs> we're we got to take you back. An eye for an eye, no. No, not in this case. Because in verse 12, as we continue, and they said to him, we have come down to bind you that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. They said to him, No, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. So they stated their intent. They were very clear. They wanted to tie Samson up and bring him back to the Philistines. And Samson made them promise not to attack him. So, hey, listen, just as long as you don't attack me, don't attack me, okay? You can hand me over, and, and of course, we see it how it is um, that he just allowed himself to be tied up and to be brought back to the Philistines. And they promised to only bind him and hand him over. But it's the, the detail here is that they tied him up with new ropes, well, new ropes, it means they tied him up with very strong ropes, ones that were not brittle or weakened by previous use. They're brand new. Hey, listen, take him out of the pack, tie him up with those, because there's no, we do not want him to get away. It'd be like us speaking in those terms. Just, I want brand new ropes. I want to make sure that he is secure, that he is not going anywhere. And so they tied him up. His arms, his body, his hands, we're going to learn his hands were tied together, but so were his arms. So he was bound. He was bound very well. I'm sure Samson didn't think he was better off in the hands of the Philistines. 
than in the hands of his fellow Israelites. But then again, we need to also think about this. God did not strengthen Samson's hand against the Israelites, but against the Philistines, and he knew it. This actually served to save the men of Judah from the Philistines. And also served to bring him in the midst of those Philistines who were intent on killing him. So, so when you begin to work it out too and you think, huh, that's, that's interesting. He didn't send them back empty-handed. That would have been certain death for them. But now he's coming back willingly. And he was going to be placed in the midst of all those who wanted to kill him. So they bound Samson and brought him out of his hiding place and toward the Philistines. I wonder how many times sometimes we feel like we're bound Like we have the whole world coming down on us and we're put in the midst of our enemies, so it seems. Only to realize that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. That God has a purpose for us even in the midst of such troubling circumstances. Of such difficult circumstances. We feel like we're bound, but at any point the Lord could loose those bindings and allow us to do freely what he desires us to do oh how often we feel like we're bound oh god we you know what we how how we come across is we 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 almost act like we're victims like woe is me and like man this is this isn't fair you know we have this thing in today's culture You know, we talk about you deserve more. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. It's a a mentality of entitlement. And let me ask you this. Because when you know who you are and who God is, then you ask yourself, what exactly are you entitled to? What are we entitled to? Nothing. We're entitled to absolutely nothing. And yet God has given us everything. We should be satisfied, content, fulfilled with that. And then think about him when we're placed in those difficult situations. That we, instead of acting like Samson and and acting in the flesh... That we would instead respond in the spirit with a clear mind, with a pure heart, with an intent set on bringing glory to the Lord. Samson is now brought into the midst of the Philistines. Verse 14, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and put out his hand and took it. And with it he struck one thousand men. And Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey I have struck down a thousand men. As soon as he had finished speaking... He threw away the jawbone out of his hand, and that place was called Ramath-Lehi. 
So, we read there how it was that the Philistines came running at him. And they were shouting to meet him. Uh, It didn't mean that they were shouting for joy because they were happy to see him. That's for sure. They were glad, all right. But they were filled with anger and wanted to see Samson dead. But when the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, all that bound him came off him easily. It's the way it was described. It was like, have you ever seen um, just like, uh, uh, well, you know, it was described as... um, the uh, like like flax having been caught fire like uh, just stubble or um, uh, just like the dry weeds you know if they catch fire it's like they're there one moment and gone the next you can hardly see the flame that's how fast they they're, they're up in smoke you know and they're just ash that's it it's just like that that they were just falling off that was it it's like it was nothing it was just ash just coming off of him It fell off with the simple flex of the Spirit. What could be strong against God? Nothing. And the strength that Samson once again realized he had was used to kill 1,000 men who were gathered to kill him. 1,000. 1,000. What did he kill him with? The jawbone of a donkey? Wow. And then after having killed these 1,000 men, before dropping the jawbone of the donkey, he got a bit poetic, right? He wanted to bust a rhyme just right there. It was just one of those things to where he was just overcome. And it's interesting how the translation of, of I read some and I thought, uh, there's, I'm not even going to repeat some of these ways in which some, some uh, commentators translated uh, this, this phrase. Uh, the bottom line is that he knew that he was filled with the Spirit. And this was a, a heap that he left, a thousand men. That's just that's beyond comprehension that one man would kill 1,000. And then before he dropped the jawbone of the donkey, he had to say these words. With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have, have I struck down 1,000 men. So he declared that. But please notice, even in that, not one acknowledgement of God in all of this. Have you heard that so far? Not one time. Not once. The Lord was using him and protecting him and strengthening him, but we still don't see a man who is humble nor relying on the Spirit, even though the Spirit is helping him. That's what I find interesting. It's like, God, you know, know, for some, you know, you could say, You have cried out to the Lord, Lord, use me. Whatever you want to do, use me, please. I am an open vessel to you. And here's Samson being led by the flesh, and he's being used by God in such mighty ways. Right? And you think, gosh, you know, I want to be used more by the Lord. 
And then you have to ask yourself, why do you want to be used by the Lord? Be careful. Careful what you ask for. Right? Make sure you're faithful to what the Lord's called you to now. Because we ought to never despise the days of small things. That's what Scripture tells us. Because there's nothing small in the eyes of the Lord. Sometimes we see this when like a thousand men in, in such great power and strength and he was used to b- begin to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of the Philistines. I want to do something great like that. Why? Because you can glorify God in the small things. Because God does not disregard you in any of the things that he's assigned for you to do. Have you been faithful in that? In that? And we ought to ask ourselves that often. He had been selected by God to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. That's that's what his assignment was. And yet, we see that he was not wholly yielded to the Spirit of God. He wasn't. Samson's actions came at a great personal price. But God, being sovereign, continued to use Samson as he purposed. Verse 18 says, and he was very thirsty. And he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. And shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore the name of it was called An Hakori. It is at Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. Finally, it wasn't until Samson was weak from exhaustion and thirst that he called upon the Lord. He was, he was you could say, literally dying of thirst at that point. And here's our God. Here is evidence that he is not, he's not capricious, he's not retaliatory, he's not merciless, merciless but he is patient, faithful, And he provides even when we don't deserve it. Samson realized that he was weak and needed God's provision of water. He called upon God. He didn't even have the strength to go get it himself. He felt at that very moment that he was so weak that he would lose his life and be handed over to the Philistines if God did not help him. It was at this time that he acknowledged his need for God to help him. And here's a glimpse of a man who was normally led by the flesh. At this point, he was done. He couldn't do it. Even, Even though the Lord had used him just moments earlier to take out a thousand Philistines, a thousand. So after this, He had no strength. He was extremely weak, and without God's help, he would fall into the hands of the Philistines. Samson couldn't see how God would have such an amazing victory through his servants one moment and now die because of weakness brought on by thirst. So he cried out to the Lord. We need to notice some important things here before us. Some things we can't just leave off to the side because even even after all was said and done, we needed three things here. Number one, Samson cried out to God. No matter what, sometimes when we think 
ah, we haven't acknowledged God for such a long time. You know, who am I to cry out to the Lord even in this time of need? Maybe I need to work back into his good graces. And, and the answer to that is, nope. <laughs> How do you work your way into God's good graces? You, you simply cry out to him. He knows you're feeble, fragile. You're, you don't have any strength in and of yourself. You have nothing good in and of yourself. What is it that you have to offer? You know, there's one thing. This is your life. You know what, Lord? I, I entrust to you once again my very life. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me for my, of my sins. That's it. And for Samson, we need, we need to understand. He, number one, cried out to God. That was the right thing to do. Even in this time. I have this, this need right now. I'm so weak I can't do anything for myself. I'm crying out to you. Number two, he acknowledged God had done the work through Samson. Did you catch that? Verse 18, and he was very thirsty and he called upon the Lord and said, you have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. It was only by God's granting. And he acknowledged it. You've granted this. Ah, what a great confession. What a great acknowledgement by Samson. So he acknowledged God had done the work through Samson. Great, great confession. And it was right. And number three, Samson referred to himself as God's servant. Did you catch that too? He said, you have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. Your, your slave. Oh, we have this mentality. Oh, we're but volunteers here. You know? We, if we want to be volunteers, we can go to the local soup kitchen. If we want to be volunteers, we can go to the Salvation Army. We can go somewhere else and we can volunteer our time. We come and go as we please. But when we're serving God, we're his servants. In other words, we're, we're, we are his doulos, his, his slaves. It's like, do we use that term? Like, yeah, the world has perverted that term. In, in God's terminology, that is perfect. That is actually the way we ought to understand, in one way, our relationship with him. When we serve God even within the church itself, the body, the fellowship, we ought to take that very seriously. It's not something that we, ah, we do if we feel like it. You know, the church is lucky they have me. It's like, man, you got it all wrong. If you're serving in that manner, then I would ask you, please drop to your knees, ask the Lord to reveal to you, you know, how it is that you, you, we are to serve him. That's why when we say, Lord, I'm here to serve you, we're not serving one another. Never tell someone, oh, I'll do this for you. Don't, don't do that. Oh, I'm doing this, but I'm only doing it for you. It's like, oh, oh. And back out. Don't do it. (laughs) You ought to be saying, I do this as unto the Lord. That's, That's why I'm doing this. I'm the Lord's servant. And because I'm the Lord's servant and I want to bring Him glory, I do this with consistency, with excellence, and I am committed, devoted, and I will do it sacrificially. I will do it gladly. 
Because I want to honor and glorify the Lord. So you can count on me. Why? Because I want the Lord to count on me. Because I am his servant. That's the way we ought to see serving the Lord. Remember, strike volunteer from your vocabulary in the church. We are servants of the Lord. That's who we are. These are all crucial elements of faith that we as God's children needed to see and hear from Samson. Would you agree that these three things that he finally confessed, he finally came to? A trust and reverence toward God, even though he lived guided by the flesh for the most part. God demonstrated his faithfulness toward his servant by supplying what he needed. And Samson's spirit returned and he revived. How wonderful. This is when we put God in the middle of it all. We see, we don't have our eyes on Samson. We see our eyes on our faithful God. He is amazing. I can't help but think that the Lord desires to do things through us, through our obedience toward him. But can and oftentimes still use us, even when we are walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. I'm so glad for that, by the way, because at different times we are all walking in the flesh. We, we are not perfectly walking in the spirit. There are moments, right, to where we get a little fleshy, a little carnal, and I'm so glad God is faithful. He's constant. He, not, he doesn't at that moment go, boom, you're out. Because we'd, be, we'd all be out. This place would be empty. <laughs> no, there'd be nothing here. Right? So, I'm so glad that even when we're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit, God still uses us. And he, and he has patience for us. We ought to express that toward one another. That same character Patience, love, grace, mercy, all of that. We need to be reminded that doing life this way, though, as Samson was doing it, comes at great personal costs. God will still do a work through us, but it may cost us our personal peace. Relationships, heartache, result in depression because of our lack of peace. Personal consequences as a result of doing things wrong. Living life on the run, so to speak. As a fugitive, but... We're living as fugitives from God, not from anyone else or anything else. Running away from situations that we've messed up. That's not the answer either. We need to confront those things and deal with them appropriately, biblically. Lastly, remember that our living water comes from our rock, Jesus Christ. You know, just, just when Samson was thirsting physically, He cried out to the Lord. We ought to just consider our our thirst and always be crying out to the Lord to fill us, fill us afresh with your spirit. Oh, give me your word, Lord. I am desperate need of your word. I I need to be filled once again. One more time. I need just just freshen this this dry spirit up. I, I need more of you. He's faithful to do so. He desires to do so. And when we are filled with the power of God, by the infilling of God's Holy Spirit, no one can stand before Him, and our enemies fall because of the victory we know in Christ. We we stand confident in Him, not in ourselves, but in Him. Not only will God provide what we need, but He desires that we know great victories in Him. Let us simply submit to His Lordship. And we will see that realized time and time again.
That's what he desires to do. So, with that said, I want to go to two places in Scripture. And then I'm going to, just going to pray for us. And one of the things that we went over uh, in our men's Bible study on Monday night is Second uh, Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So as I thought about that, I was, um, I was thinking how perhaps, you know, again, I, I know that many people, uh, if, if you're just honest, sometimes, you, sometimes we just walk too much in the flesh and not, not in the spirit. By the way, if you're fearful, um, if you're confused, filled with anxiety, worry, um, that, that is not of the spirit. So we may not be like, oh, I'm not doing all these carnal things. But, but, if, you're, but if you're going down one of those paths, uh, doubt, um, uh, you know, fear, like I said, all of, the, all of those things, are, you're carnal in that sense. You don't have to be gossiping about other people in order to be considered uh, carnal. You don't have to be thinking lustful thoughts in order to be living carnal. Sometimes there are these, these sins that we think, oh, those are acceptable. You know, those are light. No, they're still sin. And they're still walking in the flesh. And so this is how, as I was thinking about, again, how Ray started out, um, you know, empty me. So this is, this, is how, this is how we're emptied of ourselves. We come humbly before a holy and righteous God. We confess our sins to Him. And we ask Him to forgive us of our sins. And he says he will, he will cleanse us, right? He will free us from that which can serve to take us in different directions, can distract us, destroy us, bring division, all of that. And he sets us rightly before him. We need to allow Jesus, just as he did with Peter and the disciples, to just wash our feet, wash our feet. And the Lord once again, even this evening, will gird his loins with a towel. And we'll do that very same thing. And we, he will serve us in that way. If you let, it, if you let him. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So what do you want to do? Do we not want to glorify God through obedience, through a life that is right before God? And not be used as an example or be used in, uh, despite 
our disobedience, our rebellion toward him? Am I in the right place? Yeah? I think we all want to bless and glorify him that way, right? So I'm, I'm going to step down. This, this concludes this evening's message. Um, and anyone who, who would like to just come up just for prayer, just asking God, forgive me of my sins. And you know what? Right now, I just want a fresh outpouring, an infilling of your, of your spirit. An outpouring from him and an infilling of a spirit. Then come on up. I'd love to pray for you.